Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the More Than You See podcast, hosted by me, actor, filmmaker, mental health advocate, Deborah Lee Smith. Every Monday, just like this one, I come to you to share some resources, have a conversation with like-minded individuals, and generally just dive into all sorts of topics around mental health. I am not a licensed practitioner or therapist, but just a woman exploring my own mental health journey and sharing it with you, my listeners. My hope is that this podcast brings you some joy, some understanding, and some tools so that you can build your own mental health toolbox. Welcome everyone to episode three of season two of the podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Lynn last week. Lynn is a dear friend and every single time I talk to her, I feel like I understand myself a little bit better. I know that that her discussion about infertility and coming to terms with her own idea around motherhood and what she wanted out of her life is something that has really resonated with me for a long time. And I know that whenever I have that kind of conversation with someone, it really helps me. So I hope that it helped you all as well. Today, we're going to jump into something completely different. And I'm really excited about my special guest today. Today's guest um, is a well-known actor who you probably have seen in all sorts of different roles. He is an established TV and stage actor, best known for his work on HBO's The Wire, and has a long list of credits that includes Billions, The Good Wife, Law & Order SVU, The Deuce, The Blacklist, The Plot Against America, Wizard of Lies, Molly's Game, and many, many more. If you haven't guessed already, our guest today is Michael Kostroff. He also has an extensive resume in theater, and he's toured in The Producers, Les Mis, and played leading roles at regional theaters across the country. Now, the reason that I wanted to talk to Michael today is because he is an acting coach, which, of course, is something that is, you know, very important to me, but... He also has a very strong focus on mental health and how mental health affects our day-to-day lives. Because of that, he's actually created a class for actors called Audition Psych 101, a workshop that focuses specifically on the psychological side of the audition process. And I'll put a link in the bio as far as where you can find information about that. He's the author of several books, including Letters from Backstage, Audition Psych 101, and the soon-to-be-published Stage Actors Handbook. Now, if you are not an actor or not in the entertainment industry at all, don't worry because that is only a small part of our conversation today because, you know, we both connect about being an actor that certainly does make its way into the conversation. But a lot of the conversation is really about finding your passion, finding the thing that works for you and what to do if, you know, you have this passion for something, but it's affecting your mental health in a negative way, or you're not able to support yourself, or like there's so many different negative aspects of being an actor. And I really wanted to have a frank conversation with someone about that, because I think that sometimes we just think that it's all sunshine and roses and, 
you know, like if we're meant to do this, then we're just going to do it. And that's just certainly not the case. And Michael has had a long career and really talks very candidly about his own struggles with mental health. So I'm, I'm genuinely excited to have him with us. And I really hope that you get something out of the conversation as well. So without further ado, I will see you on the flip side. Here is Michael Kostroff. Michael, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. It's a you. pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yeah. I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So for everyone listening, Michael and I actually connected through Clubhouse, which is so wonderful that there's all these new ways that we connect with people, True. Um, you know, through the pandemic. And that's kind of where I want to start with you is, you know, with the pandemic, obviously, I've actually heard you say on another um interview where you were talking about actor vitamins and ah. the, the idea behind, you know, like making sure that you're doing something creative to like fuel your creative self in some way. And I think this relates to anyone who's listening, even yeah. if you're not an actor or an artist, just like something that like gives you a spark that, you know, like brings you to life in some way. And with the pandemic that has changed the landscape so much. And I'm curious how this experience has been for you and how you've navigated that? Um, hmm, there are like six, six different things that brings I'm up. Sure. No, no, I, um, I, I want to just talk a little bit about the actor vitamins idea yeah. and then I'll go on to, to answer your question. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that happens in, in the profession of acting is people get profession obsessed mm -hmm. so that it starts to be everything is about booking a job. Everything is about forwarding your career and and that sort of death grip on the on the career can become uh, really detrimental to your your well-being. Yeah. And I think lots of times when we feel like I gotta I gotta do something, I gotta book a job. What we really need is what I call actor vitamins, which is to do something creative, to 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 do something that's not career forwarding, to do something that is artistic and satisfying, and not mm -hmm. calculated to do something in your career. Right. Some of my favorite things that have happened in my life and in my career. Were, were things that started from me just going, I just, this is just something I want to do. I think yeah. it'll just be fun. The pandemic has been full of surprises for me as it has been for all of us. I, I, I thought that boredom would be a, a, an enormous danger because I, I don't do well with boredom mm -hmm. and I've been not very bored at all. I've had lots of things going on and, yeah. and staying busy with other projects. And like I, I coach for auditions and one mm -hmm. of my coaching clients sort of drafted me uh, to teach an acting class, which is honestly something I never thought I would be doing because I am not a highly trained actor myself. Uh-huh, interesting. Uh, and I was like, nobody's going to want to do that. He said, I got about eight people who want to do it. Now I'm teaching three classes a week and people are like, this is so great that you don't like follow one technique and we right. attack each each scene. As a, so that's been keeping me busy. One of the best things I did was I, you know, there's, we always have these shelf projects, the things that we never get to. And one of mine is a stage actor's handbook, which surprisingly doesn't exist because we have all these traditions in theater, all these right. sort of un unwritten rules. And I now have, have a book deal and that book's going to be out next year, which is so important to me to pass along that legacy of like, congratulations. this is how we conduct ourselves. as the So I had plenty, suddenly plenty of time to do that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think like a lot of people, I, I had survivor's guilt uh, and I was, 
surprised to find that there were a lot of bright spots in the middle of this darkness. Yeah. And I had a little, little guilt over that, but it, it was not, not as bad as it could have been. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is kind of one of my versions of my actor vitamins. Um, No, no reason for it really, besides the fact that I like talking about mental health and I think it's really important. So I I totally resonate with that. So you brought up your acting class and, you know, you and I were talking offline before we started about the idea of kind of like taking people's energy and how much that affects you and um, or affects people in general and I'm curious how now as a coach or an acting teacher especially dealing with this past year how has that like do you feel like you're people's therapist basically like how have you managed to like yeah you know maintain I, that those boundaries and stuff again because your podcast is about mental health I'm going to relate it to that I yeah think one, of the, one of the big issues that I struggle with is a feeling is legitimacy interesting and, being a teacher and a coach is a win-win because people love me as a teacher and a coach because I right. love actors. But what I get is I feel like like legitimate, like I've got something that I'm giving to people that I've got something that makes me valuable on this planet. You yeah. know, a, a, a more mentally healthy person would feel valuable just by existing. <laughs> you know, I feel a little more valuable when I can help somebody with their with their work or with their auditioning. I mean, it, it's it really is a, a, a sort of a very pure joy to be able to do that. But but the, the side thing is that I also feel like at this time with the pandemic where there weren't a lot of opportunities to do what I do, I had something that I could, that I could give, something that made me feel like, like I was doing something valuable for people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a mixed, mixed thing going on there because at the same time, some of my students have told me that they were in classes where they were humiliated and degraded and torn down and I don't, I don't really... It makes me so angry Yeah, because I, I, I genuinely love actors and I get mm-hmm. very excited when I see my students do great work. Yeah. 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 So going back to um, one of the roles that you're known the most for is from The Wire. Yes. And, you know, The Wire was such a monumental show for, I mean, so many reasons and such an incredible show. Um, but I would love to ask you about, you know, that that's a show that so much sometimes overtly and some more as an undertone about the systemic problems in our society. Mm-hmm. And as an actor, when you're kind of living in that world so much, I'm just curious if you can recall your mental health during that time, like how you were able to show up and kind of live in this world that's so permeated in you know, systemic racism and the systemic issues of our society and then kind of step away and still be like, okay, well, I'm, I'm a good person and I'm still processing things, you know, like there's just, there's no, just so many layers there. I, I'm laughing because once again, I, I've got to answer your question in a different way than you expected. No, I uh, love it. I, I had less time on, on the set than a lot of the other people. Yeah. And I was, I was in the sort of clean scrubbed, you know, lawyer world and I right. didn't get my hands too dirty. Mm-hmm. So I didn't experience a lot of that, that, that what could have been, you know, the depression of that. Mm-hmm. But one of the really surprising things that happened is in the last season, I became a series regular. They bumped mm-hmm. me up. I was very excited. Mm-hmm. They said, you have to relocate to, to Baltimore. I got an apartment and I was there for six months and I worked six days and the time hung heavy. And it's one of those things where you don't want to complain about being a series regular. Right. But 
I didn't have a set to go to. I didn't mm. have friends there. Mm. And I woke up some days and thought, oh God, how do I get to the other end of this day? I'm sure. You know, uh, and it's, it's one of those things you wouldn't, you wouldn't think of, mm -hmm. you know, but, but the experience was not anything like what I thought because I, mm -hmm. because I, I, I was isolated a, a lot more than people would think. That's the part that, that was the, that was the wrestle. Yeah. Now I'm pretty sure I could kill a whole day just on my computer, but at the time, <laughs> I don't think I was, that was 20 years ago. I don't think there was right? as much to do. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's really, that's really that was a weird one. It was a weird one. Yeah. I was like, can I come be a, a PA on the set or something, you know? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh yeah, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Right. Was, uh, I, I think if I had to do over again, I might have managed that time differently by going back to New York because it's mm -hmm. a, a three-hour train ride. I didn't have to sit in Baltimore, you know, right. like I did. Uh, right. But that was much more of the challenge than the themes of the show. Yeah. Because actually, you know, as often happens with these very serious shows, we were goofballs on set. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of stupidity and laughing, and you know, that's it was a great. Lot, lot lighter atmosphere than you might imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm. So, I mean, I think that that's so important what you were saying about, especially like the, the, the like high highs and the low lows. So like yeah. the idea behind what you think something is going to be and then what it actually is. Oh yeah. Um, I would love to, you know, like, has your career been what you thought it was going to be like, and, and how have you, you know, gone through those cycles? Boy, that's a, how much time you got uh, <laughs> all day <laughs> uh you know i always knew that being being an actor was my calling as soon as i knew there was such a thing it was what i wanted to do and at the same time i had very low expectations because of this is not unusual for actors but terrible self-esteem and mm -hmm. terrible shyness and awful awful torture and just presenting myself in the world which i don't entirely understand i don't know what all that was about but i i, I was afraid to go into a store and ask for something i, mm. I it was like i don't know what happened mm. uh, it, it was really rough mm. um and so it was a weird juxtaposition of that kind of personality and also knowing this was what i wanted to do so it's one of the reasons that i was a very late bloomer in my career because a lot of therapy and a lot of sorting things out for myself um which is why, I mean, I, I now teach a class on the psychology of auditioning because it was my biggest challenge. It's, yeah. And um, uh, over the years, I have had to process through the, the, the sort of the logic or lack thereof of some of the things that we get scared about. You know, we do a lot of weird stuff to ourselves psychologically that we don't have to. We're, we're, we're burdened in a way that we, that we don't need to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm just about uh, late, later this week, going to be talking with a friend of mine who's got his first big TV job mm -hmm. and he wants to talk to me because he he he's afraid he's going to crash and burn on the set yeah we set up a, a test for ourselves when we've already passed the test right you know uh so uh, yeah I, I think honestly the, the biggest surprise of my career is that it has exceeded my my very low expectations mm, that's I, a, that's a wonderful yeah. feeling I mean I make yeah. a living as an actor I right. I, I just didn't expect that. I thought yeah. I'd be waiting tables and struggling uh, the whole, and I signed on for that. Right. That was okay. Yeah. But it has really exceeded my expectations. Yeah. It's like the, the uh, reality, the Instagram, you know, reality versus, um, yes. you know, whatever, but like for, for, a, in a good way, that's, in that's a, wonderful. In a, in a good way. Yeah. In a yeah. good way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. in that sense, it, it's just the, the, I think I'd say the surprises have been more positive than negative because 
I was wired to be like, oh yeah, it's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting what you were saying about your friend talking to your friend later this week because that's actually something that I struggle with. You know, like I've done a lot of indie film and I've had leads in indie film, but I've never booked television. I've I've barely even auditioned for television, and it has become such a terrifying thing that mm -hmm. for me to the idea of me going on set to do a co-star which is two lines when I can lead a movie is for me it, it like freezes me to the point where I've you know talked with friends who you know have had success in that way and been like can you please talk me through exactly what that situation is going to be like that way I can kind of visualize it and and yeah. kind of take myself out of that like fight or flight idea of being you know frozen in in these expectations and stuff yeah can i can i stretch out on that yeah, a little bit please you know co-stars are hard they're, they're they're harder than people give them credit for being yeah uh, i just want to talk about that for a little bit in case it's valuable to you Definitely. and or your listeners <laughs> you know there are a couple of reasons why co-stars are especially hard one is it's not the job that we trained for mm -hmm. you know we play leads in our acting classes right we don't play, would you like more coffee? Mm -hmm. We don't do that. So it is, a, it is a, a different job description. Yeah. Here's what I've figured out. This is how my brain works. I sort of pick it apart for why does it make us so, so nervous? Yeah. Because a lot of the times co-stars are jobs that any decent actor could do. Subconsciously, I think we think, well, they're holding auditions, so they must want some secret special thing it's a trick. We have to crack the code instead right. of just find out if the person wants more coffee and they'll pick somebody to do that. Right. Um, but one of the things also that I've observed is, you know, once you've been chosen and you've gone set, there's so much going on. You've already been vetted. You've got a big right. check mark if you'll only take it. Right. You know, you, you've got a big check mark. They're like, oh, yeah, that's the person playing that part. We're not looking at anybody else. That's who it is. Right. Now, onto the lighting, the camera angles, the, the other things that, you know, the, 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 the people, you know, needing another take, there's so much going on that nobody is, nobody is vetting you. Right. Nobody is watching you to make sure you don't fuck up. Right. That's not good. We do. We make that up. Right. And yeah. it's so unkind mm -hmm. to ourselves. Yeah. When it's, I always say it's not the finals, it's the prom. Mm. You already passed. Yeah. You know, but that, yeah, freeze that, that freeze that you're talking about is so common. It's right. so understandable. So common. Because I think the fear of, God, I only have two lines. What if I fuck one of them up? How bad would that be? Makes us think that it might happen. Right. And I have watched series regulars, all kinds of people, you know, miss lines and do them again. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares. It's, yeah. it's not. So we, we do this terrible, terrible things to ourselves that we don't have to do. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, relating that to just like normal people, to, to us yeah. non to us non actors, I think that you know it, it is so much about the idea behind what we are perceiving, like what we the 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 stories that we come up in our head as far as like what people are thinking about us. Oh yeah. And 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 they're often so much worse than what people are actually thinking. Well, that's why I, I really put things to the logic test. I really vet things because I know, for example. I'm a pretty likable guy. People tend to like me, mm -hmm. but in a neutral situation, I'm inclined to think that people don't like me. Mm -hmm. If they're not gushing or coming out and saying, Hey, you're a great guy. I'm inclined to think that people don't like me or right. that they're 
not enjoying whatever I'm putting out. And that's, yeah. I have to keep sort of going back to the logic uh, going, that's not really, that's not really supported. Right. That's just not supported. Yeah. You know, uh, like I, I once heard an actor say, casting directors will do anything in their power to mess you up. I said, okay, put it to the logic test. Why? Mm. Yeah. Why would they do that? Mm -hmm. You can't hold on to that belief. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't hold water. Right. You know? Yeah. Cause we think some crazy stuff. We really mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know I do. Yeah. I, I, I get all in my brain about, oh, people don't like me. It's like, it's just really, I gotta say of all the things that I need to worry about, that's not one of them. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So going, you know, like you mentioned that you think that you were a bit of a late bloomer and I'm curious what your childhood was like and, you know, were you a, an awkward shy kid? Um, just like how you related to other people um, and how, how and when you started to kind of transform into the person that you are now. There's a lot of mystery for me about what my childhood was like because I was in a bit of a fog. And I, I think some terrible things happened to me that I can't remember. Mm. I, I know that I was, I was molested by my dad when I was in my, my like high school age. Mm. I lived with him by, alone. And that was a whole gaslighty weird thing because mm. it wasn't sex. It was mm. a sexual atmosphere. Mm. Uh, that was really strange. Mm. Um, but now that I know a little bit more about molestation, yeah. I, I, I think, I think something happened to me. Yeah. I got, mm -hmm. I got very inward and strange and I, I, you know, a six-year-old kid doesn't walk around feeling ugly. That's a, that's right. a, that's a weird thing. Right. You know? And I was, I was awkward and I was, mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of fought in a fog and dark and I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there's a lot I don't know. The answer to your second question is, I, I'm really lucky that I have a very analytical brain. Uh, and that was the very slow walk into being a relatively happy person, which I am now. I'm still complicated mentally, but I, I you know, given where I came from, I'm a fucking miracle because yeah. I, I thought I would, I thought I would end up at a mental institution or killing myself. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of, really glad I didn't do those things. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. Many um, people are, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, and uh, uh, therapy helped. Mm -hmm. I remember what one, one therapist that I went to when I was probably at me in my early teens or whatever. And I said something about being weird. And he said, mm -hmm. so why do you think you're weird? I said, well, my family, they all think I'm really weird. Mm -hmm. and he said, did you ever consider that maybe they're weird? And I said, said no, because there are more of them. So I right. figure consensus. Yeah. It's like, it's possible that they're weird. Right. Turned out they were, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to fill in all of the blanks. I just know that I, I mean, there, there were other things that we might, you know, after my parents got divorced, my mother was very anti-male and I got mm. really traumatized by her and, yeah. you know, didn't feel, and I had terrible middle child syndrome. Like my, my sister was the smart one who got the privileges. My brother was the cute one who got adored and I was sort of invisible. So there was, a, there was a lot of stuff that went on, but I would say a good amount of therapy, a good amount of, uh, you know, logic has been my friend. Uh, and I always have to add that the camaraderie of our tribe has been my fucking salvation. There, I, I mean, there is nothing like, there's nothing like the camaraderie of, of actors. Mm -hmm. uh, most of us are a little weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And most of us, uh, you know, are able to, to, to love each other 
in spite of that. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of tough love, but it's still love. There's a lot of like people pulling you aside and saying, hey, straighten your shit out, you know, right. but, it, but there were people who were just fine with my strangeness and, and yeah. didn't try to tamp me down. Yeah. You know, they loved all my crazy, crazy characters and voices and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's my people, man. Yeah. Can I ask where, where did you grow up? Mostly New York, but okay. uh, there's there, there's some moving around that's not terribly interesting. I kind of went back and forth, but yeah. I, you know, I, I had a very difficult relationship with my mother, so I moved into to uh, live with my father. That's when the weird the weird stuff happened, mm -hmm. and I've been back and forth a bunch, but mostly New York. Yeah, and just because I think our environment impacts yeah the the way that we grow up and and who we become so strongly. Yeah. And um, I'm curious about the LA versus New York yeah. thing. And if you've ever lived in, in LA or, um, you know, just yeah. like how that. I, I, uh, I've been back and forth to LA. I'm actually living in LA again now, but I, I, I lived here for 20 years. Mm -hmm. It was never exactly my language because yeah. New York is New York. You know, I'm very much like I'm a man of my word. When I say something, I do it here it's anyone's guess right. say hey i'll see it tomorrow <laughs> might happen might not yeah. um but i yes i feel very fortunate to have grown up in new york first of all because of the cultural influence also because of the interracial influence yeah. I, I grew up with a lot of black and puerto rican culture yeah. which i'm so just i feel so so lucky mm -hmm. you know for that yeah and also i mean you know, my parents were in, in the arts they were in, interested in the arts we saw concerts we saw theater we saw all this stuff and it's like i i think it's a, a really a terrific place yeah. to to up i also think it it, it makes you smart because you kind of have to navigate through the day yeah you got to sort of figure out your route and which train to take and how to avoid crazy people and you know right. there's a lot a lot of, right. lot of it keeps you smart yeah yeah definitely i think so yeah no absolutely i'm curious um you know throughout your career how you have maintained your voice and your um just like like who you are as a person like i feel like I feel like a lot of your characters are are very similar, actually, or like like they they definitely have a through line. And I'm I'm just curious between the moving between the you know once you start to like process your childhood and it, like because I think that changes. I know that for me, going through my divorce a couple years ago changed me as an actor so strongly. And there's a period of my of my career where all of my roles you can tell that i'm going through something really Ooh. dark actually and that was what i was being cast as and that is what that is that is there was just an undertone of that um and i'm curious if you've experienced that I don't, at I all don't, i i don't know that i have i mean yeah. I, I always thought that i was gonna do funny character roles in musicals yeah, which i've done a lot of yeah the big surprise has been what's happened with my TV career where I play like the, just the most ice cold, ruthless, you know, uh, unscrupulous, mostly lawyers. Right. And I, I don't think that really there was any correlation between that and me. I just have been very delightfully surprised by that, that that's, yeah. that's what's happened. Yeah. You know, the people who don't know me are like, oh, I hate that guy. I don't trust him, which is just great. I, yeah. And I, I um, uh, again, another surprise uh, is that I became this you know, drama guy uh, on TV, which was not the plan. Uh, and it's, again, I, I'm a great advocate of low expectations because everything yeah. is a delight. I've right. been so surprised. I'm still always surprised when I get hired. And I think that's, I don't know, that that works for me. I'm not into the positive thinking yeah. at all. 
I'm yeah. really not. I'm into the very realistic, low expectations. I teach. You're not getting the fucking job. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking job. Yeah. Go have a good time at the audition. Yeah. You know, for sure. Just like enjoy life. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm sort of a reluctant, positive thinker in a way, mm-hmm. because I do believe in relishing the journey. Like if, you know, just like you, I have part things that I haven't achieved yet. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't have a New York theater career. I really want that. Mm-hmm. But if I was focused on that, instead of going, hey, look at all this TV work, I'd be missing the, missing the fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What, like if, if you have a student or, or a fellow actor or someone that comes to you and is like, they're in that downtrodden place, not necessarily even related to mental health, but just related to their career and feeling like things aren't going you know, whatever, like what, what would you say to them to help them? Um, yeah, get their passion back or, or feel like they, sh- you know, can keep going, should keep going. Yeah. It's hard. We have to choose this career again and again. Yeah. And I always say that there are times when we find ourselves in a dysfunctional relationship with our careers. Mm-hmm. I compare it to the person who's married to a drunk who beats her. And she right. says, but he's good. He's, it's only because he drinks. It's not his fault. He has a heart. And, you know, he mm-hmm. promises he'll stop. Well, our career keeps promising it's going to get better. And it keeps not getting better. It keeps shitting right. on us. And we get mm-hmm. in this place. And I, I have a lot of counterintuitive theories. And one of them is, is I used to quit the business twice a year mentally. Mm-hmm. It's amazingly therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> I would say to myself, okay, if this is it, what else do I want to do? Hmm. And I would actually look into that. Like, what would it be like to go to culinary school? Gee, I wonder if there is one. I wonder what that costs. Hmm. And I'd, I'd get interested in that yeah. and just put up my attention on that. Mm-hmm. You know, what would it be like to go back to school? And it releases again that weird death grip. And it reminds us that we are whole people outside of our careers. Yeah. It's not a magic trick, but I will say that a lot of people find that they get a job shortly thereafter. Yeah. And I, I always try to coax people back to the, the joy part uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, again, a big thing in my class is you're not getting the job, but don't miss today when you get to play the part for three minutes. Yeah. You get, you get to do what you like to do. And we keep missing that because we're trying to parlay it into something else instead of being right here going, I get to play a scene. Right. And I've gotten real good at just relishing those little nuggets because that's usually all you get. Yeah. But, but I, I think what I'm, I also will talk people through and say, you know, you are allowed to quit. Nobody makes you do this. And I've known people who quit and been very happy that they did. So do you want to choose this again today? Right. And when they do say, yes, I do. I'm like, then you are back in the power seat Yeah. because they're not a victim. You're not Mm -hmm. being forced. This business will always be like this where it's disappointing and it's not what you want. And you're always chasing these carrots. But if you keep signing on for that, then, then that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's so important to have agency over, over your life, over your mental health. It's so important to be your own advocate and, and know your limits and, and, um, and when to ask for help and when, you know, when you're fine and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you know this, but you know that I, I took four years off and had a construction company in Australia. Well, uh, why construction and why Australia? I, um, I was I was in Australia for getting my master's degree in film production, uh, and that's a whole other reason for that. And then met my ex husband, 
and we, he's in construction. And so we started a construction company and I working on site, um, number one has made me an incredible producer because now, I mean, I, I produce a lot of films and, and I was managing the engineering surveying for a $50 million job. So now to run a million dollar movie is like a piece of cake. But for me also, you know, this is something that I actually haven't talked about on the podcast that much, but for me, the switch between deciding to go away from construction again and go back into acting was because I was having panic attacks like weekly. And I didn't actually, only now do I know what they actually are. Um, At the time I thought that I had early onset MS, like I had no idea what was going on. I went to so many doctors to try and figure it out. And it was only until years later when I was reading a book about, it was about artists or something about um, people who are pushing away their dreams or like pushing away the thing that actually makes them happy and makes them tick. And this author was describing exactly the symptoms that I had. And I was like, "That's, that's what it was. And it's, it's so interesting the way that, you know, that your life can sometimes be like, that is not what you should be doing. You need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've had many times where I thought, well, is this career like, does it give enough to the world? And I have lots of questions about the value of it. Mm-hmm. And I stopped asking that because I, I don't know why, but I, this is what I do. It, it, right. It's what I do. And that's it. And I've seen people who put that aside and I saw them just kind of just have their souls bled dry yeah because if, if it's if it's your thing you got to do it now it doesn't mean not everybody has to do it professionally right i knew this guy who gave gave up acting and went to law school became a lawyer and but when we would get together and have a play reading i saw him come back to life mm-hmm. you know yeah so you gotta you know you, you get actor vitamins that's what i call yeah. it yeah but that's very interesting that you you your your insides told you you have to do this yeah Practical, yeah. not practical, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So, you know, going going back to the mental health stuff, I'm curious if you have, I mean, obviously mental health still has this huge stigma, but I'm curious mm-hmm. if you have seen people talk about it more, especially in relation to the entertainment industry and how that conversation has shifted. I have, and it's also uh, very important to me to talk about it because yeah. I, one of the services I feel like I provide is people look at me and they're like, oh, that's that guy on TV. He works all the time. And, I'm, and I want them to know that I'm able to do that in spite of, and maybe also because of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, uh, of depression, anxiety, the things that I, you know, uh, and I, I speak openly about it uh, I, because I, I, I want to erase the idea for especially my students that there's this big chasm between where they are and where the people on TV are. Yes you know, people think, oh, they must be all well-adjusted. And it's like, it's not true. We're, you know, right. it, it, I, I like to play a very open hand about that. I, I didn't mention the fact that I'm, I'm on medication now. It's, you know, it's been a, it's been a, I resisted it like most people. I didn't want right. to take pills. I mean, I really, really didn't want to. Right. Uh, but when you get the medication that makes you feel like your normal self, right. You're like, oh man, I really needed that. Yes. <laughs> I needed it. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I heard uh, an actor the other day talk about on a podcast, um, talk about how he felt he also resisted for many, many years. I mean, he's a famous, famous actor. And he was saying how he he felt like he had been stumbling around in the darkness of his mind. Mm -hmm. And finally, as soon as when he took the medication, he was like, I finally felt like I was standing on a chair, the lights went on and I could finally see into my brain and go, this is the thing I need to fix. This is the thing I need to yes. fix. And this thing is okay. Yep. And finally he was able to like actually do the work that he needed to do because he had that clarity and kind of that like foundational level mm -hmm. to now do the work. Yep. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's very much like that. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still have my dips. Yeah, but they're manageable, mm -hmm. especially I think, you know, I, diagnosis goes a long way because if I have a dip I, now, it's, I go, oh, there, there's that depression. Right. It's not reality. Mm -hmm. It's not the world is awful. It's not, you know, I'm permanently broken. It's just, right. OK, this is going to be a rough four days or three right. days or two days. Right. You know, it's going to be rough. And I sort of buckle down, and take care of myself and it's fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the reasons that it's particularly important for us as actors is that we want to be pleasant to work with. Right. We, we don't want to be weird or crazy to work with. We want right. to, people to want to work with us. We have to keep doing this again and again and again, uh, you know, making new colleagues and, and, you know, taking care of our reputations. Right. I, I really am glad that I enjoy your reputation for being pleasant to work with and easy to work with and upbeat and all this stuff. And, and that's one of the reasons we have to address our issues. Yeah. I know actors with like major anger issues, you'll be able to fly off the handle. They're not hired again. Right. You know? Yeah, especially now. Yeah. I think before people used to be able to get off on that, but not, right. not anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah. We're not tolerating because it ends up being abusive, even if the person is not coming from that place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do, you, do you find, um, I mean, obviously set can be such a hellish experience in, in some ways when it comes to the hours that we work, the conditions sometimes being, you know, in cold and wet and whatever. And I personally actually like masochistically love those situations. Like I'm, I'm prepping for a shoot that I, I leave for on Friday and it's actually going to be a very easy shoot. And I'm almost disappointed that I know how easy it's going to be because that is not what I am used to. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, cause, cause I do think that there's, it's so important to have that clarity when it comes to being able to anticipate either if, if you like feel depressed and then be like, anticipate what the next four days are going to be. But even when on set and you go, okay, I know that the next three days I'm going to be doing night shoots, which means I'm going to be on set and it's going to be dark for those 12 hours. I'm going to have to try and sleep during the day. You know, like all of those weird situations. How do you manage that? First of all, I, I'm such a geek that I'm pretty much content if I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. I love working. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I love the long hours. I love the whole yeah. thing. I, you know, when I do theater, I love the parts that exhaust me. Mm -hmm. Even weirder still, and when I go off and do regional theater, I love if the housing is funky. It's sort of like what you were saying about the yeah. set. Yeah. Like if, if, if it's funky and it's like this, the floor is slanted, I'm like, ah, oh, theater. Yeah. You know, I just, I love it all. <laughs> love it all. That said, I, I have not had a lot of long-term onset experiences. I don't, I haven't done a lot of film yet. I've done, a, you know, and I do mostly, you know, a day, two days a week on a show or recurring. So I don't know that I've had that day after day grueling experience yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think um, I know personally, especially as a, when I'm a producer, 
that I, that I feel like there's two different types of people who manage stressful situations. There's the people who, who become that like kind of angry and, um, they become overly stressed and, and kind of like don't know how to handle the situation that's happening in front of them. And then there's the people who kind of become calm and happy. And I'm the second, like I, like this more stressful that things become. And I think this is because of my construction background. I just become Super more, calm. yeah, calm and positive And like, we are going to figure this out and it's going to be fantastic guys. Like yeah. we've got this. Um, I have a bigger struggle if I, if people are, uh, mean, or yeah. I feel like they don't like me. That I have, I have such anxiety about not being liked or disappointing mm -hmm. people. For uh, sure, that's when it goes bad for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think that it's it's interesting for me when I feel that when I feel a position of of power as far as like trying to yes. keep the peace when mm -hmm. I myself am struggling with something. I have had that experience before, and that has been really an exercise in like mental agility and strength to be able to maintain my own sense of peace while also being in charge of other people's mental well-being. Yeah. And I also think there's value in not being allowed. Like when you're the yeah. producer, mm -hmm. you're like, you, you know, you pull yourself aside. You're like, get it the fuck together. Yeah, I, for I, sure. Many, many years ago, I don't want, I don't want listeners to worry about me because I'm, I'm pretty much fine. Yeah. But, Years and years and years ago, I was I was lying on my bathroom floor crying, and I had mm -hmm. to go to a wedding. And mm -hmm. I was like, "You don't get to bring this to the wedding. You just don't get. You pull it the fuck together, and you yeah. go. Right? You know. And there was something to be said for that. Yes. Like, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that I also tell people about being nervous at auditions. It's like you're not allowed. Right. You're not allowed That's to a great be. Great point. Yeah. Because because it makes people uncomfortable, and it's not fair to them. They've got right. big problems to deal with. Right. I always use the example of you know every commercial airline pilot has a first flight not allowed to share nerves, not allowed mm -hmm. to. Yeah. You know, yes. and uh, there's a lot of, to me, there's a lot of value in going, well, you're not allowed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Pull it together. Right. You that's know? really, that's, it's interesting because that is something, you know, when I, when I talk to, um, you know, either on this podcast or on the conversations on the mighty, and I have sometimes where people, you know, they ask me that question where they're, they're saying like, you know, I'm really depressed. I can't get out of bed but I have to go to work. What do I do? And it's like, and, and that's always really difficult for me to answer because I always say like, I'm not a licensed therapist. Like I, you know, that you need to go talk to someone about that and like yes. how you should actually handle that right. situation. But I do think that there is a difference sometimes between like just feeling the sense of malaise and like, I feel shitty about the world and myself and whatever, right. and then genuine depression. Yes, and, I agree. and it's, and it's also about, I think it, because I feel like I have experienced both definitely. And mm -hmm. it's, a, and it's about me recognizing again, having agency and going, am I actually in a, a deep depression right now? Or am I, or is there something that is just making me feel this way and I can actually fight through it? Right. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So, so true. Sometimes you can't fight through it. I think, I think that's important to know. For sure. You know, uh, if it's, if it's real bad, I, I think, think of it like having the flu. It's like, right. yeah, I can't, I can't work today. I can't, right. you know, I mean, it would take a lot for me to call out sick right. from a, a, a performance. Right, of course. But, but I will cancel social plans, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, put off a self tape or something. It's like, no, not today. Be nice right. to yourself. Eat something you like, yeah. go back to bed, whatever you need to do. Yeah. 
and it's important to not fault ourselves for that. I, nothing is more annoying to people like us than uh, somebody saying, well, just snap out of it. Right. Why don't you go for a walk? Right. I'm like, I can't go right. for a walk. Right. I can't. Yeah. I know it would help. I can't do it. I can't mm -hmm. convince myself to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can. Right. But sometimes you really can't. Right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. What What do you do when you're feeling, um, when, when you want to do that self-care, when you, when you have the ability to pull yourself out in some way, what are your oh. tools for that? When I can? Yeah, when a, you can. A walk is so much more effective than it, at the time you think, oh, that's not, not going to help. It helps. Mm -hmm. A walk helps. Yeah. Deep, deep breaths help. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I mean, you know, a, a lot of stuff that may sound stupid, but, you know, watching something that makes you laugh. I, I think a walk more than anything, like, yeah. uh, like really just getting air in your lungs and moving your body around. And even if you go, okay, I, I'm going to, what I sometimes do with myself is I'm like, go out for 10 minutes. Can mm -hmm. you do 10 minutes? Right. And I sort of just gently get myself out as opposed to beating yourself up. And then I'm out for a half hour or whatever. Right. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, also having a pet helps. Mm. Yeah. How long have you had a pet? Uh, a couple of years now, just a couple yeah. of years. I have a, a very funny cat. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, that's the other thing is like, he's not going to feed himself. Mm -hmm. You got to, you have to at least get out of bed to feed the cat. Yep. But it's, you know, it's not, it's not unlike having the flu. I mean, I, I, I remember the last time I was down with the flu, I, I was, I, it was very funny because I'm lying in bed thinking I would like tea, but I don't know how I would get to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like yeah. having a fever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you said that because I know that my, for me, my, my dog having, having my dog at the point when it was my like deepest depression having my dog and being forced to go outside and walk him every day because no one could, I mean, he was helpless. And so having that purpose right. was, was the thing that, that helped me recover, like without it. And I don't know about you, but the last thing you want is somebody coming over to walk your dog and check. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. I don't, I don't want people to try to try to make me better. I just, it's like, I, it's, right. You know? Yeah. So I would love to ask you the final question that I always ask everyone. Are we already at the final question? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. No, I love um, but so more than you see is really about the masks that we wear and, and, you know, the things that we kind of hide from the world. And I'm curious um, if there is anything that you feel like you're still working on or, or, or situations in which you do wear masks and then um, situations and when you, when you take those masks off and, and what that means to you. That is such a thick question that I want you to ask it to me again, <laughs> yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and this is, this is why it's the last question. Cause we, this can, this can sometimes lead to more endless discussion. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so like when I created more than you see and the first thing that I shared about it was I, um, and this, this is when I had the idea. So I was going through this deep depression and then I had one of my closest friends die at the age of 32. He was healthy. Nothing was wrong with him. Complete random heart attack, just like out of the blue. And that same day I was already depressed because of other things. Then I had that happen. That same day I had a photo shoot. And I, and I was supposed to be this like happy go lucky person in like the Huntington gardens. It was, it was a mess. And I remember 
like looking at myself in the mirror and going, they cannot see this. Like you have to show up for yourself and you are putting a mask on. And like, this is the person that you are showing outwardly to the world. And so I, that entire day, I was thinking about all of the turmoil and all of the other things that were going on underneath. And yet I was just this happy go lucky person that they saw on the outside. Hmm. And so I'm just, you know, I like to ask this question to see if if there's anything that you feel like is currently in turmoil that is currently that you're currently working through um and in contrast the mask that you wear in order to try and you know cover that up or or show people a different side of yourself it's a challenging question for me because uh, on first consideration i feel like i i don't have a lot of phony to me i don't have a lot of mask to me yeah um, in fact, falsehood depresses me. <laughs> it makes yeah. me I, 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 I don't like it. Just like, just like I don't like to pretend to be happy when I'm not. Yeah. I, I also, I just don't have a lot of veneer. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, outsiders think, well, you're an actor, you know, but I don't act when I'm not acting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's great. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I put up much of a mask. Good for you. Um, I would say, you know, during those times when my wife and I are having difficulties, Mm -hmm. I don't share that because, uh, because it makes other people uncomfortable or they worry or whatever. It's like, it's normal marriage stuff, but you know, I'd say that's the only thing where I I probably will always speak in glowing terms about my marriage, because I think that's also respectful to my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I kind of, I'm kind of coming up empty on this question, which is. No, I think that's, I think that's great. That's, I, I actually think like what you just said about the, um, about your wife and how, you know, like, uh, of course there are, of course there are things that you yeah. are, are hiding, but I, but I think that that's the thing is that sometimes we wear masks, not out of, um, it's not a problem. Like these are things because we have parts of ourselves that we n- never need to share with others, um, well, or, like, or just with certain people, you know? Yeah. Like it used to be if people said, how are you? I would really give it thought and try to give a really detailed answer. And I've, I've learned nobody gives a shit about all that stuff. So, yeah. th- so yes, I always, I, I'll say, I'm great. I'm good. Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so that, but that's beyond that. I'm, I'm really pretty straight ahead. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Good for yeah. you. I guess, I guess I'm trying, I feel like I've, I feel like I've, I've failed the, the test on that. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I will. Let's see. I, I mean, I'll be just honest about, uh, when, if I see a play that I don't like, I, mm-hmm. I, I will I will tell tell people that I loved it because I don't sure. want that I don't think it serves any purpose for me to talk about it mm-hmm. in the negative terms. That's about, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of show up as myself. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Okay, I actually have a final final question for you. Okay. I'm curious what it what is a role that you haven't had the opportunity to play that you really want to play? Like what kind of character? Um. Hmm. I would say this, you know, having I've played a bunch of lawyers and I'm not mad at it because that's mm-hmm. my bread and butter and they're mostly very icy cold. But what's been really nice in the last couple of years is getting more and more opportunities to play people with some soul and some sweetness or some some sensitivity to them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I've had a couple of parts like that. And it makes me very happy to be able to sort of share that side of me because that side of me is very rich and deep. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't know that I have an answer. I think I really relish variety in my career. The more yeah. 
variety of characters I could play. I, I think that's that's just the best thing ever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I had one role uh, that I was so out of my bag of tricks. I was so grateful for it. I was on Banshee. And I don't know why they offered me this role. It was a straight offer. I was rough. I was like, I had neck tattoos, nice. I had scars. I had long stringy hair and I was like a gravel voice and smoking and drinking and snorting Coke. And uh, I got to be in a stunt fight. Like I just don't ever get to do these things. Yeah. So, the, you know, the, the more surprising stretches like that, that's, that's my jam. Yeah. That's awesome. You yeah. always say that you don't give good answers, but you always give good oh, answers. Okay, good. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll they're just, it. they're just like, you go, you go around the answer, but that that's still an answer oh, good, and it's good, still good. fascinating. So, okay, you know, all, all of the people are thinking really wonderful things about you. Don't think that we're not. So. <laughs> You're on to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here today. I super, super appreciate having you. Great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I hope it's helpful to folks out there. Again, thank you so much to everyone for joining me for this episode. I know that when he was talking about how he gives up, he consciously gives up acting twice a year and then consciously makes the decision to refocus on his career that really resonated with me. And that's definitely a practice that I'm going to bring into my own life. And I think that that 100% relates to anything in your life. It relates to, you know, friendships that you have. It relates to other things that, that maybe aren't necessarily serving you. And of course, I'm not, never saying, you know, give up on a relationship or, or, or a friendship or anything like that without doing some proper work in order to, you know, think through things. But I do think that there is some value in saying is this thing, is this job, is this situation still serving me? And if you decide that it is worth the effort, then you once again commit to that effort. You commit to yourself and you commit to the thing that is currently causing resistance for you. I know that this is something that I'm going to think about. And when I commit to my own acting and producing career every day. So I hope that that is helpful for you. Again, please, you know, share this episode with someone that you think might enjoy it. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps to have, you know, you all give me feedback about what you like and, um, and share this conversation with everyone. I also want to give a very special shout out and thank you to my incredible new editor for this season of the podcast, Jen you are amazing and making my life so much easier. You're the best. Please be kind to yourself. Please remember that you and everyone around you is more than you see. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week.